It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am the host and uh, I'm always excited to be able to spend an hour with you on a Sunday morning here on 94.1 on your radio dial, where we talk about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. That's what we do. That's been our theme since I started this show about uh, 2002, 1,158 shows today. We've talked about a lot of things over the years and a lot of content, interviewed a lot of people, and basically just been having a good time, but we've not deviated from our theme, which simply is the church. We talk about the church, the things that affect the church, and well, if it affects the church, that means it affects our lives as Christians, and uh, well, I'm just amazed, things that I have spoke about from the pulpit for years. I'm talking about 40-some years. And I've been warning my congregation and warning people on the radio. Hard times are coming for the church. There's going to come a time when there's going to be a lot of pressure and persecution upon the church, and it's going to come from without, and it's going to come from within. And uh, a lot of people are going to lose their way. And now we've seen it. We've seen it over the, the years and the generations. We see things change. And you see, I come at things from the perspective that I've had my entire life as a, a young man growing up in a, in a church. All my life I've been in church. I've been hearing gospel truth and gospel doctrine and things that we, we hold to in the Christian faith. I've seen all those things challenged now. At the age that I'm living now, the time I'm living. And I'm just amazed and astounded. But uh, the thing is, doctrine, as far as what the Bible teaches, has not changed. But people sometimes come up with some very, very strange interpretations sometimes of Scripture. And uh, all of those things concern and alarm me. Well, let's talk about a few rules here. We don't talk sports here. We don't talk politics. We don't talk doctrine. But we always do speak well of one another. That's kind of the way we've done it. And it seems to have worked out uh, so far. You can find this show on the podcast if you want to listen to it later or share it with a friend. You type in Pastor Jack King, Tallahassee. And it'll come up, and there'll be all kinds of content there for you. People we've interviewed over the years, the different shows. Now, this uh, podcast, I'll be playing some music here on the live show, or let's say uh, over the air, over the air show. We'll be playing some music, but you will find the music on the podcast. You can also find the daily broadcast on the talk, on the 
the podcast. That's the uh, Gospel on the Radio broadcast. And it's a daily Bible teaching that I do. I do it here on 94.1. Then it goes on the podcast and it goes over to other stations and goes all around the world. But uh, that's your invitation to do that. So let me go ahead and play a song. And the song simply says, Put God Back in America Again. The artist's artist name is Steve Warren. Put God Back in America Again. And I listened to the song a little while ago. And as I listened to it, I thought, well, you know, a lot of people are going to think this is really corny. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. Because... Um, this brother is kind of seeing America the same way I've always seen America as a child growing up and living in this great country all these years. But I remember a certain talk show host that you'd know has said this uh, many times, and he said it a few years ago, and he says, in about three years from now, you won't even recognize your country. And I was thinking about this the other day, and I said, Wow, that's pretty prophetic because there's a lot of things right now that I just don't recognize and am just uh, mystified as to how did we get here. Well, those are all things to discuss, but let's go ahead and play the song for you and then we'll talk about it a little bit. It's always good to get a, a fresh perspective of things. Got back in America again. Well, now, how did that strike you? I'm curious and uh of course this is a pre-recorded show so you can't just call me here on air and tell me what you think you can call me later if you want to area code 850-567-1703 now if you just tuned in you may have missed what i said earlier <laughs> i said well i listened to the song uh, before i played it and I said, you know, actually, it sounds a little corny to me. And, uh, and then I thought to myself, even as I was listening to it just now, as I was playing it again, and I thought, well, so that's just how far the country has removed itself. To where, even though I agree with everything this man just sung about, I'm like everybody else, I'm being in influenced by the culture of the day, the things that we hear, and uh, things that, uh, let's say, 15 years ago, we'd all be standing and applauding and say, yeah, 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 preach it, brother, that's right. Now we often find ourselves questioning these things in our beliefs because even though we don't think this stuff is influencing us. It is. It is. Now, let me go over the list here. This is a, these are the things 
that uh, Brother Warren was talking about. He said, this, this is what we should do. He said, family Bible. And, of course, you know, we have the old song, family Bible on the table. That means uh, family devotions. Families getting together, gathering around the kitchen table, spend a little time in prayer and reading the word. I tell you what, we probably wouldn't have to count too much to count the families that do that. Then he talks about the flag and uh, how important the flag, and of course he was talking about the American flag and how important that is to all of us. And then we have things going on that uh, challenges that very thought. I mean, people who refuse to uh, acknowledge uh, the uh, flag when it's being played at a sports arena and that sort of thing. And we went through all of that. And then we have, it says, to love Jesus. And to have the, a bumper sticker on the front of your car saying, I love Jesus. Now, be honest now. When you do see such a thing, how does it first strike you when you see something like that? And uh, I think that nowadays we say, well, that's, that's a little unusual because, well, things have changed. And then it says repentance, uh, a country that would repent of its sins. Well, I don't even know that we could even describe what our sins are anymore because what was once very, very glaring to us, we knew when it was wrong. We knew when it was sin. Now, things that are being shouted from the rooftop says, if you don't believe this, you are a bigot. <laughs> and, uh, well, you hear that enough. You hear it enough. It's going to begin to have an effect. So, repentance. And then he says, put prayer back in schools. Well, I'm saying, well, obviously public schools. I think most Christian schools have prayer. I, I don't know that for a fact. I, I don't attend. I don't have any children or grandchildren at the moment that are in Christian schools. I did have a, a grandson and a grand, couple of granddaughters that went to Christian school for a while. I, I may want to ask them the next time I see them. Uh, did you all pray every day in your classroom? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just sure that they did, but I, I, can't, I can't verify that at the moment because I'm here behind this microphone, but uh, we'll check on that. But in the public schools, do you honestly believe that we'll ever get back there again? Well, maybe after I play the next song, we'll talk about that. But uh, right now, the way things are and the way culture is, no, I don't see that happening. But I do know this. I grew up when I was young in school that we had prayer every morning before class, and we would have scripture reading. And uh, you think that doesn't affect a child, even as somebody who maybe does not ever get that influence at home? And their parents don't take them to church. They're still getting the word. And the word will not return 
void. Scripture tells us that, and I believe that that even that person who has no other uh, spiritual influence in their life, a teacher reading Scripture to them and praying in the mornings is going to have an effect. And then he talks about following the golden rule. All of this is in this song now. Following the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then he says in the song, put the Ten Commandments back in the courthouse. And uh, then he says, ooh, (laughs) one woman and one man. That's marriage. Now, how many years has passed now since the Supreme Court made that ridiculous, ridiculous uh, uh, change in the laws of the land? Well, truth being, we're not that far along in history from the time that they started requiring marriages to become government-sanctioned. Because it hasn't always been that way. And I've heard different uh, reasons why the government got involved in it, and we won't go there. But the truth of the matter is, is that marriage between a man and a woman is before God. It's God that sanctions it. It's God that ordains it. And uh, when my wife Tammy and I stood before our pastor at the Open Bible Church in Pensacola. We made vows to one another, and we made a vow before God. And uh, even though the pastor said, uh, by the laws of the state of Florida, and uh, with the uh, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the truth of the matter is, he said, when Tammy and I got married, we stood there before God, and we made that vow before God. And uh, and I do believe, I agree with Mr. Warren, that marriage is one man, one woman. And, uh, and I know, you see, this is what I'm telling you, that in a culture in which we're living in now, they'll almost stone you for saying such a thing. And here I am singing on the radio and on the podcast. It's going to be out there forever. So if they ever want to uh, find out some dirt on me, they won't have to go very far. Let's go back to the podcast. And I don't have any recourse within myself. I don't have any shame. I don't have any problem saying it. That's what I believe. Marriage is between one man and one woman. So I agree with Mr. Warren in his song. And then he said, and the last thing was, uh, in God we trust. And as, it's, as, we, as I'm here at this moment, it still says that on our coins and on our money. But uh, everything is in question these days. So what do we do? Well, obviously, we believe in prayer. We believe that uh, God can and God will someday intervene in all of this. So that brings me to our next song by the Tribute Quartet. Hallelujah. There you go. The glory. Five us again. Hallelujah. Amen.
going to send revival all over this land. Now, I've got to help my, my, help my uh, podcasters here because you didn't hear this song and you may not even know this song. And uh, that's why on the other song, I, I told you what he said. Uh, you can go listen to it if you want to. You can find it uh, out there on YouTube. It's a tribute quartet called God's Gonna Send Revival All Over This Land. The other one was uh, Steve Warren. Uh, it's called uh, Put God Back in America. Again, you can go listen to it if you want to. But here's the thing. Uh, they're singing about uh, the Spirit of God sweeping across the plains. That's all across America. A mighty wind of revival all over this land. Got, and then he says, we have power in our hands. Now, let's consider something. We just, as, as a time that I'm recording this now, we're a day away. I'm a day away. You're going to be like four or five days away by the time you hear this on Sunday. We just finished the Iowa caucus, and uh, ooh, it was cold, they said. And um, I heard reports of 20 below zero. And uh, another place I heard report that it was uh, about, uh, let's see, quite a, let's just put it this way, there was quite a decrease in participants from four years ago. I mean, if the the weather affected the turnout greatly, okay? And as you know, uh, our former president was the uh, hands-on winner in the Republican uh, caucus. Now, the Democrats... Um, they didn't have anybody contesting the present president. So, now, here is the thing that I believe is, is kind of on people's minds. We reelect the previous president, and that will cure all of our problems. Well, I will grant you that it, it's got to be better than what's happening now. That's just, I'm just being honest with you. And I'm, as you know, one of my rules, we don't talk about politics, but we can just do common sense. I mean, let's face it. We're 33, almost $34 trillion in debt. I mean, <laughs> Let's get real here. That's not possible to sustain. See, I, I remember it was just a few years ago, I was, I was griping about it being $21 trillion in debt. And now we've almost, well, not doubled it. Well, that's, that's almost 10, uh, 10 more trillions. <laughs> Let's put it that way. More. And it just keeps getting worse i mean every time we hear about a budget they, they don't do budgets anymore they, they they do these continuing resolutions so that they don't have to actually look at what they're doing 
and then uh, something will come up, and they say, well, we're going to have to spend a few million on that, a few extra trillion on that. We take in about $4 trillion a year as a nation, and we can't seem to make that do. And so we keep going and borrowing more. Well, it's it's got to the point now to where the interest rates is becoming one of our biggest expenditures. And every time that you add on to the debt, then that interest goes even higher and higher. You're eventually going to get to the point to where half of your budget is just paying interest. Now, you try that in your own family. You see, let me go ahead and just do this because I always do. And I've just used my wife and I as just an example. We at one time, we were just out of control. We were just absolutely out of control. We had debt just coming out of our eyeballs. And I'm telling you, as a family, that crippled us. And I remember there came a time, and I was at the, we were at the Unicoi State Park up in Georgia. We had a pastor's uh, retreat, and uh, I went for a long walk after the meetings were over that night in the dark, just walking and, and just crying out to God. And it just came to the reality to me that there was nobody going to cure that problem for Tammy and I except us with the help of God. In other words, we were going to have to, uh, as a, a banker had told me not too, uh, too long before that. He said, you're going to have to do one or two things. He said, you either have to take in more income or you have to spend less. Now, that sounds so simple for some reason or another that it just never crossed my mind. And then the other thing that I heard, and I learned this from listening to Rush Limbaugh, he said, you have to know what is the difference between the deficit and the debt. The deficit and the debt. What is the difference between the deficit and the debt? Well, simply this. The debt is the overall package of what you owe. The deficit is how much you overspend every week, every day, every month. If you're doing a monthly budget, when you come to the end of the month and you and you took in uh, let's say a thousand dollars for the month, and you spent fifteen hundred dollars, then your deficit is at five hundred dollars, and that adds on to the debt. Well, same way with the country, we keep adding on to the debt. So, so we have that going on, and then we have this situation at the border that it's just, it's just, it's, it's bringing so much harm into this country financially and so many other ways and you say well what do we what do we do about all these things well going back to the song that uh tribute quartet sang for us here uh god's gonna send revival in the land and remember i made the comment just a few minutes ago i said well uh the uh overall favorite uh Candidate on the Republican side in the in the Iowa caucus was our former president, and as I said, I think a lot of people think, well, if we put him back in office, it'll cure all of our problems. Well, 
We had him there for four years, and I think, no, this is just me. I thought I thought he did a good job. Now, I know. <laughs> he, he is a lightning rod. Oh, no doubt about that. People get upset with him about the things he says. And, and uh, the truth of the matter is, when he ran in the primary, this is 2016, um, he, uh, after he got through with the uh, Republican uh, participants, all those who were on that stage up there with, actually, they couldn't even put them all on the stage. They had to, they had to do two sets of debates, Team A and Team B, to deal with all the different ones that were running for the Republican primary at that time. And the way he sliced through those different uh, people, um, I didn't like it. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the primary, when when uh, when he finally won, my wife said, "Are you going to vote for him?" And I said, "Well, I'm glad I don't have to do it right now, because the election, the general election, was several months away." And I said, "I'm glad I don't have to do it right now." But I got over it, and uh, and then, like I say, he he won and uh, did a lot of good things. But the truth of the matter is, is that a man, a man is not what we need so much as to say what we need is the spirit and the presence of God. And the problem is, is that it just seems to like we're just going in just the opposite direction. You see, I remember here just a few decades ago, this is uh, during the late 80s and the 90s. There was a there was a move of God in this country. And of course we had the uh you know the PTL and the 700 club and then these different things. And then of course uh we had the big uh <laughs> I mean it was it was horrible. Two of our most well-known spiritual leaders falling to moral failure in the presence of the whole country. And I, I, to this day, I think it hurt the church in a very, very severe way. And then you add to that in 2020, this COVID thing where so many churches just closed up and people got out of the habit of going to church. And that's what we're dealing with now. I mean, we've got people, and I talk to people all the time. They say, oh, no, I used to go, but I don't go because stopped going during COVID and still have not back gotten back to church. Well, here we go. God's going to send revival all over this land. It says, and uh, the mighty power of God is in our hands. Well, you see, if that happens... This is not a carnal thing. This is not the election of a president. This is not any of that. This is the hand of God sweeping across this land and changing the hearts of people and causing people to repent and cry out to God. That's what we need to see happen. Now, the question is, will it happen? Well, history tells us that we're because if you look back through history and the great spiritual moves of God or great times of revival, 
there's usually this type of, of, of a law. There's usually this time of what I would call darkness, where the church just seems to have no effect, where um, the spirit of darkness is just, just creeping more and more and having more and more influence. And as I've tried to point out to you, that even people who have been in church all of our lives and have claimed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it begins to affect our mindset whether we want to admit it or not. And things that we would just be so adamant about in the past, now we're a little afraid to even speak about it, to even acknowledge what we used to believe. And so the effect of that just keeps becoming more and more intense and stronger until we finally come to the point to where we look at ourselves and say, what do we believe? What do we believe? What is the thing that's important to us? What do we believe? You see, all of that begins to be challenged. And then you add to the fact that uh, churches are having a hard time Retaining ministers. This has become a chronic problem. And uh, then you've got uh, Bible colleges that are closing and are very rapid. Uh, it's very rapidly. And then you've got the fact that young people are not responding to the ministry. Now, I add this to it, and I had a gentleman in my church say this Sunday. He read it someplace. I'm just repeating what he said because I did not read the article. But he said that uh, there is a, a rapid, rapid departure of ministers from their pulpits and leaving the ministry discouraged, tired. And then some of them, like me, they're just getting old. And uh, very few ready to replace him. And I know even in the, the organization I'm a part of, there used to be a time we used to have a bench. It um, used to be when a church came open, we'd have five or six candidates just chomping at the bit, the pastor of that church. Now, we have none. And uh, we find ourselves scrambling around trying to find somebody that will fill the pulpits. That's where we are. And, uh, and I, and that's like I said, I'm talking about. The, I'm a part of the Open Bible Churches, which most people never heard of. Us. So who are you? Well, we're we're a small organization, and uh, we used to have five Bible colleges. Now we have none, and uh, so I know that uh, where I grew up in Kentucky, the Bible college that I went to when I first. Uh, Got out of high school. It was a very influential school to place pastors in all of those little small Christian churches all over Kentucky and southern Ohio and, the, and that area. And it used to be that when a church needed a pastor, they'd call the Bible College and they'd help connect them. Well, the Bible College is gone. It's closed up. That's where we are. So here we go. <laughs> I think we need this song next. This is by Jeff and Sherry Easter.
and it says, I know how to survive. Jeff and uh, Sherry Easter, mostly Sherry, singing there, um, I know how it feels to survive. And again, for my podcast family, she was talking about being afraid. She was talking about being alone. She was talking about being confused. She said there were times when she feels like that she was betrayed. And uh, but she found out how to get back on her feet because she experienced the love of God. And she said she felt the wind of God flowing through her life and she experienced God's love and trusted and believed in him. So she says, I know how to survive. Now, here's an interesting thing, again, listening, just listening to, to news, going back to the Iowa caucus that we just experienced and uh, on a very, very cold Monday night. People trekked out there in that <laughs> terrible, terrible weather, and it was cold even for Iowa, and people went out and they caucused. And the way the caucus works, from my understanding, is it's not like the primary where you just show up and you vote. They they meet in different places and they have times of discussion. And you can you can uh, talk about your candidate if you want to. And then when they're when they're done, they take a take an account and, and uh, they record the vote. But what they said is so again, I heard this on the news, one of the talk shows or something. I don't remember exactly who said it. They said that the the primary voter that chose the uh, former president to be the nominee for and the delegates from I would go to him were mostly baby boomers. That's my generation, and uh, I think the baby boomer starts in the fifties and goes up to nineteen sixty four. That age bracket. So what that tells me is that there's a generation that remembers when things were better, that remembers the things that Sherry Easter was talking about here and about how that uh, you could trust God and you could believe and you, you could feel the presence of God in your life. And then uh, the, the, the early song that we played about put God back in America again, and we remember when people would have family devotions. And we remember when uh, the churches would meet and, and uh, when we would have the Ten Commandments in the courthouses and we'd pray in the schools. We remember those times. Uh, I'm not going to tell you those were perfect times because we know better than that. But compared to what we're experiencing now, when even the very things that we we placed our uh, beliefs in are being questioned. Everything's being questioned. And people begin to have doubt in their mind, even the existence of God. See, I understand the song, 
that uh, Miss Easter was singing. She says, I know how to survive. Well, I would say this. If you want to know how to survive, if you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. And if you have a Bible and you don't read it, then start to read it. And uh, the Word of God says that His Word will not return void. In other words, if you read it, it will speak to your heart. And I'm a testimony to that because I'm, I'm committed. And you've heard me say this before, that I've God got a hold of my heart in 2009 and dragged me down to the altar on a Sunday morning and I had to repent and, and I've been faithful to the Word of God every day. And see, the thing about it is that I read basically four chapters a day. You say, well, Pastor King, is that enough? I said, well, it's, it's making a huge difference in my life because I'm exposed to the Word of God every day. And, is a, and I have a system to where I read through every day. I read through the Bible on a consistent basis. And so I'm being exposed to it. And so when you're being exposed to it, then it always has the ability to penetrate my heart and my soul. And then there are times when I, I'm just reading and all of a sudden I see something. I've never seen that before. <laughs> I, I give you, for instance, I'm just teaching this in the daily broadcast and talking about Joshua after they uh, had that tremendous campaign and the walls of Jericho fell and they defeated the inhabitants of Jericho and, and uh, they just saw the hand of God that says after that happened that the fame of Joshua is the last verse in that chapter in uh, the book of Joshua where they're talking about this and it says the fame of Joshua spread all across the land. I'd never seen that before. But as I began to expand that thought in the daily broadcast, it came to me that, that this probably had a whole lot to do with the defeat at AI, which is the next city down the road, that they end up they ended up being chased by and running from the people who came out of that city to take them on. And Joshua, you remember it says, and Joshua fell on his face before God. And he began to cry out to God. And God said, get up off your face. There's sin in a camp. I see, I've never seen that. I've never paid attention to it before. But that's what I'm saying. If you're in it every day, that's going to have an effect. But if you're not being exposed to it, if you're not exposing yourself to it, then it's not. So, if you take the word out, then what happens? Then there becomes a void. And that void will be filled by another spirit and another presence. And it will be a spirit that will take you away from your true belief in what God can do. He says, that's what happens when you, this is a, a the, the book, The Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. I talked about this and how he says it. It simply this, he said, when uh, Jesus talked about it in the scripture, and he talked about the house that was left. And he says they swept it out and they left it. And when they came back, they found that it had been inhabited by demons more, it says, seven times worse 
than what had inhabited the house before. So when a person abandons the word of God, then something else is going to come in and have the influence. And you can say the same thing for a country. That when we abandon the prayer in the schools, we abandon going to the house of God, we abandon a daily prayer life and a daily scripture reading, then something's going to take the place of it. And it's going to begin to affect our lives. It's going to begin to affect a country. And I believe this is why we are experiencing all across the land. So, the Mylon Hayes family have a cute little song. And I think it'll be just right for our topic right at this moment. It's called Prayer Meeting. have an old-fashioned prayer meeting and God will answer once again. That's a Mylon Hayes family singing that for us. Now let's let's go back and uh, see what they said here. Because again, I'm, I'm talking to my, my podcast family out there. People are going to be listening to this on the podcast. Well, you're not going to hear the song. The people who listen to it on the air, they, they will have heard the song. They know what I'm talking about. So you don't. So this is what uh, they were saying. This is a, an old-fashioned prayer meeting. Watch what God can do. And he says, God will answer. And hear our cry for help. And by his mercy, he will forgive us of our sins if we ask him to forgive us of our sins, and he will intercede. And then they say there's no program or no plan that's going to do what an old-fashioned prayer meeting can do. And that is right on, right on. So now, I know that there are some of you folks, you've listened to this broadcast today, or maybe you just tuned in or whatever, you're not going to church today. I'm I'm just being real bold here. I'm just looking you right in my radio eye here. Looking you right in the eye, and I'm just saying to you, you're not going to church today. You done made up your mind. You are not going to church. And uh, then you're complaining about your country. And you're worried about your country. And you're worried about your kids. You're worried about your grandkids. You're worried about the culture and the things that are being experiencing and what you're, what's happening. But you're not going to church today. And uh, you've got a good excuse, I assure you. You've done, you've done to determine this. You've done got it all figured out. You, you've got a good excuse. Well, <laughs> I hope that works for you when you stand in the presence of God and you stand accountable for your family, and for your own soul. You see, the thing is, they said it in the song. It says, when two or three are gathered together, he will be in our midst. And it's what I was saying earlier about, if you're not 
in the Word. If you're not reading the Word, it's not having an effect in your life, and then you're just opening yourself up for everything the devil has to throw at you, and it'll just stick because there's no Word and there's no presence of God there to defeat it. And if you're neglecting your time in the house of God, hearing the Word of God preached and proclaimed, singing in praises to the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and just fellowshipping with fellow Christians, then you're not going to get anything out of it because you're not going to be there. And as I said, some of you done made up your mind. You're not going to church today. And you got a good, good excuse, don't you? Well, let me just say what Joshua said. As for me and my house, and right now that's just Tammy and I. We'll be in the house of God today. And that's our determination. We'll be there if, you know, if we're if our bodies are not <laughs> sick. I mean, we're not sick. Sometimes well, I remember when I had COVID and uh, well, the people didn't want me to come. And what I did is I opened up a door behind the platform there and I put saran wrap all over the front of it and I stood right there and preached preached to my congregation <laughs> and they they could see me and I and of course I'd made sure that that room back there was all cleared out before I went in there and I didn't contaminate nobody and I just preached my sermon right there behind that door mostly because I just wanted to be there and uh, so that's my commitment I've made that commitment to be in the Word of God every day and to pray and to be in the house of God because I want to make a difference and I know how weak I am as a, as a human and I need everything that God can give me. And uh, so do you. So do we as a nation that we can see God heal our lands. As the Scripture says, if we humble ourselves and pray, then he will hear from heaven and he will heal our land. And we need God desperately to heal our land. So we're, we're in a very difficult time. This is a very, very difficult time for this nation. We need, we need the power of God. We need revival in this land. We need God to bring healing. And, uh, that's where the church comes in. Even in our weakened state, we still have power. And we still have the ability and the tools to make a difference. We've just got to be disciplined and committed and uh, ready, ready to do the hard thing. The scripture says, how do, how do you cast that little devil out of that little little child that was throwing himself in the fire? He said, well, this thing comes by fasting and prayer. It comes by doing the hard thing. And that's my challenge to this radio audience, both on the on air and on the podcast. Are you ready to do the hard thing? Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this radio audience. I thank you for this opportunity to just to share the gospel and to share truth. Father, I pray that, Lord, that you would convict our hearts. And that revival would begin right here with this little radio broadcast challenging us to make a difference.
to commit ourselves to do the hard thing. And Father, I know this comes from the work of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God, let your spirit, the winds of your spirit, just to flow across this land, Father, just speak into hearts and souls and causing people to just become caught up in the spirit and the presence of God. Father, we pray for our city. We pray for America. And Father, we pray for peace in this world. And we pray, Father, for peace in the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's name, our Lord and our Savior. And we say amen. And may the Lord bless you. And uh, till next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.